0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family as we continue our study in the Old Testament book of Sirach that was nicknamed by the early church fathers the church book or Ecclesiasticus. And this is episode 337. And just in case you're a dad or grandfather listening today, and you might have missed our previous episode, 336, go to our Apple podcast or various podcast uh, avenues and pick up that episode 336. It's a special message for dads and granddads. Now, as I've already mentioned, but I think it it bears repeating because the church of the first centuries in a sense found itself in a cultural condition the way the church of the 21st century finds itself. And the church fathers of the early centuries used Sirach to support their preaching, and pastors and catechists used Sirach to educate Christians in sound moral doctrine, and you know that's really the rub today. How do you live faithfully your moral life in a pagan world? This is the expertise that Sirach brings to the fore. Uh, church fathers like Clement of Alexandria or St. Gregory the Great. Uh, Gregory the Great used Sirach when he trained priests, and he also used it for training of the faithful. St. Augustine quotes the book of Sirach hundreds of times, and yet today we kind of maybe hear about a little bit, but maybe not too much, and hopefully this will change. And one of the questions we're going to want to answer over the next few episodes and starting today is this question, what is wisdom? Because wisdom is a primary key to lasting faithfulness. You've heard me mention this several times, and I am not going to stop mentioning it more times in the future, but the primary need for parents and families and parishes today is to train young people in order that they can persevere in their faith in the midst of a pagan culture that's leading them away from the faith, in the majority of cases of those raised in the church And wisdom is that primary key for lasting faithfulness. So we have to ask ourselves, what exactly is wisdom? Now, if you remember from our last episode, Jesus ben Sirach is the author of this book. He wrote it in Hebrew, and then his grandson, unnamed to us, translated it from Hebrew into Greek. And we're going to read about wisdom in this book. And in Greek, The word for wisdom is Sophia, philosophy, the love of Sophia, love of wisdom. So just remember, you're going to see multiple times the word wisdom, and if you were back in the days when uh, Sirach's grandson translated this, you would see wisdom, Sophia, Sophia, Sophia. Just keep that in mind. And along with the question and getting the answer to the question, what is wisdom, Where and how can parents and parishes introduce children to it and obtain it for them, okay? So here's what Sirach's grandson did, and he tells us a little bit about himself, particularly in the prologue and some other parts through the book. First of all, he mentions he took advantage of learning opportunities while he lived in Egypt. Now, in all probability, he was in Alexandria, Egypt. And at the time, Alexandria was the foremost intellectual center of the ancient world. Like if you were in the United States, you would say, yeah, I was living in Cambridge, Massachusetts and picking up some wisdom, you know, at Harvard, if they still have it up there. Okay, Alexandria's library. Listen to this. This is the ancient world held 400,000 volumes. It was a massive learning center, and it was unique because it was both a center for Hellenism, and Hellenism was the Greek culture, Greek language, Greek learning, Greek philosophy, and also the real heavy influence of Judaism. Both were in Alexandria. In fact, in Alexandria, had the largest community of Jews of any city in the ancient world. And the very fact that we had the Old Testament translated into Greek, that translation called the Septuagint, guess where that was made? Alexandria. So Sirach took advantage of the finest educational opportunities in the ancient world. That's number one. How did you get wisdom? Okay. Number two, and this one you might forget about today, but it's very interesting what travel can do, exposing you to other people's viewpoints and both their strengths and their weaknesses. It says in Sirach 34 and verse 10, he that is inexperienced knows few things, but he that has traveled acquires much cleverness. And so, Sirach's grandson, besides the educational opportunities, through traveling and exposure to other peoples, uh, gained wisdom, just a second avenue. Third, this is from Sirach 51 in verse 13. He says, while I was still young, before I went on my travels, I sought wisdom openly in prayer. It's something you ask God for. God is pleased to give. And one of the things we can do as parents, first of all, pray for wisdom for ourselves, because it's kind of hard to pass it on if we don't have it. So we ask God for it, and he's a good God. He delights in giving wisdom to his children who ask, and then teaching our children to pray for wisdom you know, to have the wisdom to make good choices in today's world. Like, okay, your children are young. Let's say you're homeschooling. You're making all the choices for them, but the day's going to come where they're going to have to start making choices for themselves, and they need wisdom in order to do that, and encouraging young people to pray for that wisdom. Now, I'm going to come to the kind of a a big rub here. This is really, really big because you would say, well, how do I get wisdom? I'm sending my kids to a Catholic school. Well, obviously, that's the first point I talked about. He gained wisdom through taking advantage of learning opportunities, also travels and prayer. But there is a seesaw that has to be prioritized and balanced or else wisdom is going to be eclipsed. And I hope you caught what I just said, because a lot of people are missing wisdom. I call it the Jerusalem and Athens seesaw. Now, if you look, kind of drill down in a lot of the philosophy in a lot of the top Catholic colleges and universities, they'll talk about we get our wisdom from both Jerusalem and Athens. And by Jerusalem, they're talking about the divine revelation that came through the Jews and obviously in the New Testament as well. And then by Athens, they're talking about Greek philosophy, okay? But hear this. Sirach while not in any way denigrating Greek philosophy, because I just told you about, he put himself in the greatest Greek learning center in the world at that point. It was Alexandria, and they had in Alexandria both wisdom from Judaism and wisdom from Greece, okay? So let's say you were trying to do a balance between Jerusalem and Athens, because if one gets way out of control, it could have a tendency to then eclipse the other. And this is my observations, my travels, okay? Just like Sirach traveled, I traveled a lot, uh, going to Catholic conferences and such like that. Um, And I've only been a Catholic for just a little over 30 years, so you know I certainly don't know everywhere and everything. But despite many claims, in 30 years, I have never witnessed a balanced seesaw between Jerusalem and Athens, even though many proclaim to have it. Now, why am I saying that? I am saying that because I really care about young people in the 21st century. And if they're told they're getting this proper balance, and they're not, and they're lacking something, particularly the Jerusalem Sophia, the Jerusalem wisdom, and it's being eclipsed by the Greek philosophy, the Greek wisdom. Then they're lacking something that the early church saw as a critical need, so much that the wisdom books of the Old Testament, like Proverbs and Wisdom of Solomon and Sirach, were used by the early church because they saw they needed this kind of um, I'll just describe it as this kind of raw Hebrew wisdom to survive in a pagan world. That the Greek philosophy, and again, not denigrating it, because again, far as I know, the grandson of Sirach, our translator, went to the greatest learning center in the world at that time of Greek wisdom as well as Hebrew wisdom. He kept it in balance. And if it gets out of whack, young people will not have the equipment they need to withstand a pagan culture. And Greek wisdom has an advantage for learning, but I question if it has the power that the Jewish wisdom has in navigating through a pagan culture. Now, uh, my experience, just give you a little one, a couple of them maybe, Um, First is just, as a former evangelical, uh, my second try at college, first try I didn't do too well. Second try was after I was in the Navy, and I had a conversion experience. I did a lot better. But evangelical college and seminary, uh, if you want to study Scripture, wow, will they use basically every of the few brain cells that I have to learn and understand Scripture, and you go into an advanced class, maybe even using the original languages, and the first part of your exam is on content, and they'll show you, like in Gospel of John, um, a verse, and you have to tell you know where that verse is in the Gospel of John, and there might be three other very, very similar verses, and you have to know what chapter it is. So in other words, you have to have the actual words of Scriptures in you, and then your exams will go in and drill down what do those mean, and some really good classes will then challenge you how do they apply in your life. And compared to what I've seen in Catholic schools and colleges, it's not anywhere near that. Let's just say you ask some blue-ribbon Catholic high school students who are great kids, uh, ask them to turn to a, a very well-known book of the New Testament, and they don't even know which of the Testaments it's in, old or new. Uh, that would be a sign that something is way off balance. And not only is the seesaw, you know, is supposed to be in balance, and I would argue there should be a, a tipping point with Jewish wisdom given primacy, and not eliminating at all the Greek wisdom philosophy, but giving that tipping point. But that's not at all what I've seen. I can remember taking one of my children that was with me uh, while I was at a conference, and that child was interested in a particular well-known Catholic uh, institution, university. And um, so I said, well, let's let's go by. I mean, we're here. And the director of missions wasn't there, so the president of the university very kindly uh, met with us, and he asked my daughter, I said, what are you, he said, what are you interested in studying? And my daughter said, Scripture. And his reply was, we have a great philosophy major. Now, there would be some uh, Jerusalem (laughs) Sophia taught in that philosophy major, yes, but where would the balance be? It would be eclipsed by the Greek wisdom. I'm just saying, Again, I'm only 30 years into this. I don't claim to know everything about everything in Catholicism, but what I have seen, it seems to me that the seesaw has gotten off balance, and it might have worked well in the earlier part of the 20th century and such. I don't know. I wasn't a Catholic then. But today, with the pressure is on, we need to do what the early church did and claim these wisdom books. Sophia books, Sophia, 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 over and over, and it was talking about God's revelation. This is from Sirach chapter 24, starting in verse 19. Come to me, you who desire me, and wisdom is now personified. It's not an abstract thought, it's, it's a person. For my teaching is sweeter than honey, my inheritance sweeter than the honeycomb. And my remembrance lasts throughout all generations. See, this is what you want, lasting faith. Here's my challenge. If you allow Greek philosophy to eclipse Hebrew philosophy, okay, if you allow that eclipse to take place, do you get a lasting faith in the lives of their children? I would claim no. I know there's some people who are not going to like what I'm saying here, but I think that's just the fact, and the wisdom he's going to talk about here is the Hebrew wisdom, the divine revelation. My remembrance lasts through all generations. Now, here's the point, too. Young people are raised in the faith. They're taken to Mass. They're given a good education and everything else, but it seems that they it, it, it kind of fades, and here he says, those who eat me see this is digesting taking it into the core of your being will hunger for more those who drink me will thirst for more in other words there'll be an inward desire to grow to consume more of what you've inquired this love for it's it's something that really nourishes you at the core of your being as a as a human person okay And then he gets to the the rub. This is Sirach 24 and verse 23. And this is the book of the covenant of the Most High God, the law which Moses commanded us. This is the Old Testament Scriptures. This is what he's saying, that you can be filled to overflowing with wisdom. This is how you can find the core need of yourself as a person, that hunger that drives people. They just try to fill it with a lot of stuff and things and drugs and whatever as as kind of alternatives. But this is what will fill your heart. And what what is it? It's the book of the covenant of the Most High, the law which Moses commanded us. It fills men with wisdom. And again, I want to be real clear. We're not talking about doing away with other forms of learning because you know, right off the bat, we're talking about Ben Sirach's grandson who translated this for us, took advantage of the finest learning in the ancient world, both Hellenism and Judaism, both, both. We don't neglect one over the other. He had wisdom from travels, he had wisdom from prayer, But above all, his primary wisdom, not secondary, not tertiary, but primary, was the law of Moses. It fills men with Sophia, like the Pishon. And I look, Pishon. You know, that kind of sounds familiar, (laughs) but I have to confess I had to look it up this week because my memory cells were fading. I know I've heard about the Pishon River, but what was it? is one of the four rivers that was going out of Eden. Eden was a paradise, a fruitful paradise, and even though we live in a corrupt and somewhat darkening culture and such like that, where do we find the refreshment, the life-giving nourishment, the lasting fruitfulness? Well, it's from the Covenant of the Most High God, the law of Moses, the scriptures, that fills men with wisdom like the Pishon River and like the Tigris River at the time of first fruits. It fills them with understanding like the Euphrates River, one of the mightiest rivers in the world, and like the Jordan River at harvest time. It makes instruction shine forth like light. This is almost the identification of wisdom with scriptural revelation. Is there other forms of wisdom? Yes. I've mentioned this at least four times. Is there to be a balance? I would say yes, even though I've never seen it in Catholic circles in practical fashion. I'm, just, I'm not saying it doesn't exist just in my travels. I haven't seen it. And one becomes primary. I would say try to keep both in balance but give the special focus, and I'm talking about Catholic schools, high schools, colleges, universities, seminary training, do that. And that's this is where you can find the wisdom from divine revelation becomes the teacher of wisdom, and the type of wisdom that the early church fathers and doctors of the church saw as necessary to teach morals, and lasting Christian discipleship in a pagan culture. I can't think of anything more important than that. Now, and this isn't just something for the Old Testament, by the way. I already told you, the early church fathers, Christian fathers uh, did this, but in the New Testament, it talks about a great apostasy, and apostasy means a falling away from those who were a part of the faith. And I gave you, as the beginning of this series, is kind of a step on the toes a little bit quote from Pope Benedict XVI about the apostasy of the modern world. And we're an apostasy in our generation, whether it's the great apostasy is debatable. I think at least you could say it could be at least the dressed rehearsal for the great apostasy. But in any case, it's a time of apostasy with God's people is an ultimate test of faithfulness in the midst of rampant paganism. How do you live as a faithful disciple with paganism all around? And what you need is an abundance of wisdom for spiritual survival. Now, in the New Testament, we have the same call and warning, but about the last days. St. Paul says, But understand this, that in the last days will come times of difficulty. Now, there are two things that need to be said here. Frequently, you will hear, well, the last days, according to the New Testament, stretch from the ascension of Christ right through the times of the church until the second coming of Christ, and that's absolutely true. But sometimes that's mentioned in a way so that you don't get too riled up. Don't worry about things. It's always been bad. No, that's not true, because any warning about the last days, the last days, the New Testament tells us quite clearly, you can see this in the book of Revelation, you can see it in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, will be a time of falling away. In other words, there'll be an intensification of the difficulties of the last days. Remember that. But understand this, then in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, slanderers, fierce haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of religion, but denying the power of it, okay? Now, St. Paul says to Timothy, his young assistant, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You might have said to a family member or friend or even said to yourself, how can things get worse after watching the news and this and that? They will. They will. They'll intensify. And while evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, then St. Paul says, but as for you, there's a difference. You get sucked down with an apostate culture, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. What is he talking about? How from childhood you You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, divine revelation, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. That wise is sophizo. That's just the Greek word of Sophia. How do you get the wisdom for the great apostasy? How do you get the wisdom to be a faithful disciple when culture is collapsing? How do you be a faithful disciple when people are only holding the form of religion and really denying the very core of it? How do you hold as a faithful disciple when even your leaders are doing this in the civil government? How? The sacred writings. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed the scriptures and knowing from whom you've learned it. Who did Timothy learn it from? We learn from the very first chapter of 2 Timothy your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you." Parents, listen to me. A lot of learning is good and we should learn about the world. We should travel and learn as we're able to afford it, not using credit cards to do it, but travel and getting wisdom and praying for wisdom. But scriptures are the primary way you get the kind of wisdom that Sirach was talking about, the primary way you get the wisdom that St. Paul was exhorting Timothy. As for you, if you don't want to go down the drain with the others, and in apostasy, it means that those who were once in and faithful have fallen away scriptures, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise, sophizo, wise for salvation, and all scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, and I would add, even in the worst of the last days. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and You've been listening to episode 337 of Faith and Family Radio. Might not be a bad idea if you're a parent and choosing a school for next year. Go to our podcast and listen to episode 336 in a second time. God bless.